Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford with Lynx. Uh, this is our final episode of season seven. So welcome and thanks for tuning in as, as always. Um, it's been a fun season and we're going to bookend it here with our friend George Pepper is back on the podcast with us today. George, you got a tournament coming up this weekend. Are you ready for it? <laughs> yeah, it's the big major down here. The mixed member guest. My wife is unsheathing her game for the first time this year. So uh, who knows what's going to happen, but we'll have some fun. Sounds like you got some strokes too. So that is the key. <laughs> <laughs> the handicaps are on your side. Yeah. Well, George, I brought you on today because I wanted to talk about your column as well as another piece. The distance dilemma for whatever reason, I think recently has been a topic of, it's a, I, I would call it the um, most talked about topic in the professional game. The more you see guys like Bryson DeChambeau drive the sixth hole at Bay Hill and, and win tournaments like that, that conversation just continues to ramp up. So everyone's trying to figure out how to, to come up with a solution to curb I guess, as the, the governing bodies would say it, to maintain the integrity of the game. Uh, and you yourself have a, a solution to this. A bit unconventional. Yes, I must admit it is. Uh, and I think one of the reasons there's a lot of talk right now is that recently uh, the USGA and the RNA announced that they are about to announce a major effort in combating distance. And I found that kind of amusing. I mean, after four decades of dithering on this stuff and basically avoiding the question, suddenly they're, they're rattling their sabers and saying, we mean business and we're going, you're going to hear from us soon and seriously. In the meantime, as always, they've asked for feedback and, well, this is mine. Instead of just limiting the distance of clubs, let's limit the number of clubs. And I'm talking about the notion of cutting the number of weapons we carry in our bag from 14 to 7. And not just for the pros, for all of us. Now, I know that sounds outlandish, and that's kind of the nature of a column is to be provocative and suggest crazy ideas. But believe me, it's no more outlandish than asking the golf ball manufacturers to go out there and develop a product that is demonstrably inferior to the one they're already making to throttle back the ball. And I know that from, from bitter experience because about 40 years ago when I was with Golf Magazine, I wrote one of these columns, but that was back when Jack Nicklaus had first suggested the notion of throttling back the ball five or 10%. And that struck me as a pretty cool idea, uh, particularly for the pros. And I wrote a column in support of that idea. And I thought it was, I made a pretty cogent case. Well, the day the column appeared, the publisher of Golf Magazine got a phone call from the CEO of Titleist informing him that Titleist had just taken $2 million of advertising out of Golf Magazine because of my column. I, I don't know why I didn't lose my job, but thank goodness I didn't. So for the sake of not arguing about the golf ball, let's stick with golf clubs, all right? So I'm not suggesting that we stop the, I think the manufacturers shouldn't have a problem with this because I'm not suggesting that they stop making seven woods and four irons and 62 degree wedges. Quite the contrary. The fact that we would all be carrying seven clubs wouldn't mean that we own only seven clubs. In fact, I would think everyone would want to have at his disposal, his or her disposal, a full 
array, a huge arsenal of, of weapons from which to choose on any given day. And I think that would happen <clears throat> because the set makeup uh, wouldn't vary just, just from player to player not based upon their strength and skill, but really from according to day-to-day -day conditions and the nature of the course being played. So in fact, this might be a bonus for manufacturers. I, I would think when they know that we're only carrying seven clubs, they'd want to make those clubs pretty useful. And I'm talking about now real uh, double duty hybrid clubs, uh, drivers that can be hit a long way and yet would be relatively easy to hit off the deck, off the fairway. I'm talking about putters, which would easily be adaptable as chippers. And I think that would be fun for the manufacturers, a challenge for them. So it's not gonna be, be bad uh, for them to have to develop new clubs. I think the other thing in, in the case of every club except the driver is that they would have to develop uh, a different shaft. And I'm talking about a more whippy shaft. And, and you, you wonder why there. Well, I, I found a, an interesting quote going back to the 1930s. A guy named uh, Robert Harris was uh, an RNA honcho. And he was a British historian. And I'll read it to you. It's um, he was looking, this was in the era when golf was changing from hickory shafts to steel. And he found that that wasn't the greatest thing happening. He said, it was soon realized by players that the rigid steel shaft could not be made to work to the same degree as hickory with its torsion qualities. The soullessness of metal took the finesse out of the game and forced the set up to 20 and even 25 clubs being carried by some players in a quest for results which we were before obtainable from five or six shafts of hickory. What are you saying is that basically steel had taken the fun out of the game, some of the creativity and the challenge for all of us. And back then, uh, what happened was that the, the RNA and the USGA acted quite swiftly and said, yeah, this is getting ridiculous. People are carrying too many clubs. Guys were carrying clubs left-handed clubs, right-handed players were carrying left-handed clubs, just in case they might need it, you know, once every six rounds. So they said, no, no, this is silly. And that's when the number of clubs was cut down to 14. So what I'm saying is let's do that again. Let's take the soullessness of the bomb and gouge game away. Now, the seven club set may not totally address the distance question, but I think it's gonna go a long way, no, no pun intended. Uh, you'll still be able to see Bryson go for the, the sixth hole at Bay Hill. Uh, but I don't think we're gonna need, we wouldn't need par fives as longer than 600 yards. And the fact that Bryson and the rest of them are still going for the, the sixth hole in, in trying to drive it, I think it's a good thing. And that sort of gets to one of the main points I have here. Uh, with only seven clubs in their bag, uh, the pros are gonna be much, much more fun for us to watch. Uh, I think Bryson DeChambeau would be one of the first to figure which seven clubs he'd carry. He'd probably take a driver, then a six iron, an eight iron, a wedge, a couple wedges and a putter. And now consider hitting, trying to play a 600 yard par five, he hits a drive of 350 yards and then he has to hit a 250 yard 600. Now that would be fun to watch. He's gonna to have to hit the hell out of it to get it on the green. Either that or go back to the driver and hit some sort of a crazy feathery cut shot off the deck. 
And either of those would be more entertaining than just what we're seeing now when they hit whatever they want. So um, I think also you'd see an artistry that we have seen glimpses of. I mean, remember back at the, the Masters this year in the practice round when John Rahm got up on the uh, 16th hole and purposely skittered the ball across the pond and it went in the hole for hole in Right. And how cool was that to see? And then uh, Bubba Watson a, a couple weeks later, uh, no, a couple months later at, at uh, Scottsdale, got to that the famous 16th hole, it's not like 160 yard par three. In the practice round, he stood up there with a driver and teed it up high and hit one of his crazy cut shots and knocked it right on the green. So uh, I'm saying that is just so much fun. I think uh, the pros would like to do that. I, 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 several years ago, um, I had an idea for what was then called the silly season, uh, a tournament that the PGA Tour pros might try. And the notion of it was 72 whole uh, event, stroke play event, in the first round, the players would have eight clubs. In the second round, six clubs. In the third round, four clubs. And in the fourth round, two. And I just thought that would be great fun to watch, especially two-club Sunday. And I, But before trying to suggest it to the tour, I actually went out to a bunch of the players. I must have talked to 30, 40 players. <clears throat> and all but one or two of them really loved the idea. And the, the, the two comments they, they had were it would never be won by any one but a, a great player, a really talented player, number one. And number two, the winning score wouldn't be that much higher than it is when we play four rounds with 14 clubs. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, the tour passed on it because it was just another one of my crazy ideas, but uh, <laughs> I still think it would have been fun. Now, so, you know, you might be thinking, fine, let the pros play with seven clubs, let them entertain it, you know, solve the distance problem, et cetera, et cetera. But hey, we mere mortals need all 14 because we don't have the talent that the pros do. And I said, mm, that's not a great idea. Number one, because we lose the whole idea of the, the parity with the pros, the, uh, the bifurcation. And, and nobody really wants to see that, that happen. Um, the other reason, though, I think is, first of all, our average, the average amateur's swing speed, the pros are up there at 120 miles an hour plus, Bryson's up there, I don't know what, 130, 40-something. The average amateur uh, club head speed with a driver is 93 miles an hour. What that means is he hits a driver about 240 yards and a wedge about 113. That leaves a gap of 127 yards. In between that gap, we've got a dozen clubs. Do we really need 10, 12 clubs to negotiate and navigate 127 yards? I don't think so. And if you look at a woman or, or a, a weaker player, it's, it's less than 100 yards. And we have all these silly clubs. Um, and I think there's a good reason to be without them. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure you've had occasions when you slung a bag over your shoulder with just a few clubs. I used to do it all the time when I lived in St. Andrews and, and, and you know, it's a walking culture there. Uh, I didn't want to spend the money on a caddy and some days my back was feeling lousy. So I'll just take a, you know, Sunday bag, six, eight clubs and go out. I played some of the best golf I ever played when I did that. And I think there were good reasons for it. I get to um, 
for instance, the first part five, the, um, the fifth hole. Well, if I hit a good drive, there was, uh, it sort of took the worry out of being close to know that I didn't have a three wood in my bag or anything longer than a four iron. So I laid up, I didn't do something stupid. And I was confident that that four iron was absolutely the best club I could have in my hand. And when you're confident, you are committed to the shot and you hit it well. It's not like, oh my God, I've got a tweener here. Do I hit the seven iron or the eight iron? Well, if you have a five iron and an eight iron, you're gonna hit the eight iron and you're gonna be comfortable with it. So I think actually we might, some of us might play better with fewer uh, clubs in the bag. Um, I think uh, it forces you, just as the pros have this creativity, it forces you to become a little bit creative to, to hood the face and hit a low running shot or open it up and hit a high soft one. Learn how to vary the, uh, the spin and the trajectory of the shots. You have to do this of necessity if you, if you wanna play at a reasonable level with few clubs. I mean. Why is Seve, was Seve Ballesteros one of the greatest shot makers, maybe the greatest of all time? He learned to play golf with one club on the beach, a three iron. And he learned to do everything with that. I mean, he could hit soft shots out of pot bunkers with a three iron. So uh, I'm not saying we are all going to be able to do that, but I think that, that having fewer clubs in our bag will help us to become better shot makers. And, and if you have fewer clubs, you only practice those clubs and you get pretty damn good with them. Mm -hmm. You get pretty good at, at hitting only one or two wedges rather than relying on the crutch of four of them. I really don't think, I mean, I played for the first 30 years of my life with two wedges and I was quite happy. And I think I could go hap back happily to one or two, especially if we're all doing the same thing. So um, it there, I think once you do that, you derive a certain satisfaction and confidence and happiness in your abilities that we don't have, I think, with all of these sticks in our back. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting carried away and I realize this idea is a non-starter. The, the current president of the USGA was a guy, guy who uh, I went to college with. He was the stud on the golf team. I couldn't make the golf team but we played golf together and I you know he'd be the first one to laugh at me. He's a very bright guy, uh, Stu Francis. And, and this isn't going to go anywhere with the USGA, but I think I can't help think that it, it's something, an idea, the seven club set is something that the USGA and the RNA should think about because, and in the column, I, I think at the end of it, I came up with eight reasons that I'll take a look at here again. Mm -hmm. It does eight things that I don't think any other of these ideas, cut, cutting back the golf ball or shortening the driver or anything, they just don't do all these things. Number one, seven clubs. If you're playing with just seven clubs, it would be simple, the game would be simpler to learn, less bewilderingly intimidating, because the beginner set would be everybody's set. Much simpler game, okay? Number two, it'd be less expensive. Obviously, to get it into the game, you'd only need seven clubs. It'd be cost about half as much as it does now. And number three, it would be faster because you wouldn't be dithering over club selection and shot selection. It would be much clearer what club to hit on any given occasion. So there are the three most intimidating factors about golf, the difficulty, the expense, and the pace of play, all addressed with a seven club set. In addition to that, 
carrying your bag would be less physically taxing. So more people would do that. And I think that would be better for health and fitness, both of people and for the globe in that uh, there would be fewer carts out there. Uh, number five, the distance issue would die out. We would not need to lengthen golf courses any more than, they, than they've already been lengthened. And that, they, that would mean uh, lower maintenance expenses, further reducing the cost of the game. Uh, six, pro golf, as I said, would be way more fun to watch. Seven, the rest of us would become more creative, imaginative, and self-reliant golfers, more knowledgeable about our games. And finally, we would all continue to play under one set of rules, no bifurcation. So I, I don't think there's any other idea like that. Um, I would be astounded if this idea gains any traction, but I've, they wanted feedback and I've had my say. <laughs> there. There you go. And, you know, if, if you're like me, I mean, the first, when you read your, your title and subheader of the column, um, the first thing you think of is like, how could that possibly work? But I think you've put together a very well-reasoned uh, argument, um, one with uh, some very good backing. And, and um, like you said, you addressed three of the core issues with even getting into the game in the first place. Um, so I don't see a downside. Do you? I, I you know, what? Well, I was going to ask you, did, when you put together this list, did you, I know you have a lot of pros, did you have many cons that you could think of to this other than the fact that we almost have to relearn um, those, I'll call it tweener distances. If you're talking about a five and an eight iron, um, you just have to kind of learn that shot that you haven't hit. Maybe. Yeah. Well, on a lot of these things, I've had a couple of other crazy ideas once uh, 20 years ago, uh, I said, golf would probably be a lot easier uh, if it were played without a backswing. I mean, think about it. If you could address the golf ball the way a uh, baseball player awaits a pitch and your arm, arms up over your shoulders. Um, now that sounds pretty crazy, but if I were to invent the game today, that's the way I'd invent it. The backswing is a place to screw things up. <laughs> you know, you're just trying to get to the top of that backswing and that's where you hit it from. Yeah. So anyway, so I sort of apply the same thinking here. If, I, if golf had never been invented and you had to invent it right now in the 21st century, would you put 14 clubs in people's bags? I doubt it. Probably put closer to the set. Yeah. That, another question of mine was, is cutting it in half is as large? Is there a middle ground in between 7 and 14 that – that you also considered or? Yeah, I'm, I was looking for drama and the title of the column was the 50% solution. So right. um, I think if you're gonna do it, do it right. You know, the, the problems, the, any, the, the questions people would have would be probably the same if it were 10 clubs as if it were seven. The manufacturers would squawk um, and they're gonna squawk anyway. So yeah, uh, we're not do it right. <laughs> Yeah, I think like you said, I mean, it, you start going through your own bag. I could, uh, I know I have one wedge that I seem to use, you know, 80% of the time. And then the other two, I, I've got a 60, a 54, a 50, and a pitching wedge. And I kind of see 
the 60 and 50 are almost specialized at this point to, you know, I, I may use them twice in a round. That's it. Yeah. I, I have the same feeling. I mean, I don't hit my three wood that often. I hit it on par five, fives for the second shot. And because I hit it so infrequently, I hit it badly almost every time I take it out. So I don't need that club. Okay. There's one out. I mean, I'm horrible with hybrids. I look at those clubs in my bag and say, why are these in here? You, you hit one good a shot a month with these. So I could happily do without those. I could alternate every other iron and not miss the ones I've taken out. And the same goes with, you know, the, the crazy 62 degree wedge I have, you know, I'll, I'll figure out a way to deal with it. So I don't think it would be, I wouldn't miss a lot of those clubs. In fact, I'd kiss them goodbye. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, it, equipment manufacturers could look at this and kind of salivate at someone, the idea of someone buying, you know, 20 clubs just to make sure that they can like right. look at a course and say, yeah. I might need actually to throw this in the bag instead. Right. Call it the selector set or whatever they want. Sell them 20 clubs. <laughs> yeah. And then clubs could get, you know, you're talking about a, a wacky looking putter that uh, can just as easily be your, your flip wedge or something like that. Um, exactly. But yeah. Why do you think bifurcation is such a hot button issue? Why are people so fervently against it? I don't know. I, you know, there's the argument is made that we are already pl playing two different sets of rules between the PGA tour and ourselves. You know, they have local rules that go on there all the time. They have the one ball where, I mean, and it's just to, to, to uh, kid yourself that we're of the same makeup as the pros is just uh, kind of crazy. Um, and it seems to me, if you keep the driver, that, that's, that still, you can compare yourself. You can still see that Bryson is hitting it 100 yards plus past you. So uh, I don't know. It's, I've never been a, a fan of bifurcation, but I did embrace it with it as a way of saying, hey, for all of you who hate bifurcation, this uh, concept would pr protect that. So, Yeah. Well, I think... Uh... You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'll be interested to see the, uh, the feedback from, from this in your column. And uh, if it were to get any legs, I mean, you, you've got a, a real idea here. Well, you know what? It could be um, fun for clubs to adopt a, a once-a-year tournament. And some of them already do. But, uh, I, or for resorts, whatever, you know, you, you, everybody's trying to make the game more welcoming. Well, maybe these places that have these new courses that are more welcoming to just issue seven club sets, the half set. Yeah. Uh, I, don't th I don't think it's going to gain, um, revolutionize the game, but uh, doesn't mean I wouldn't love to see it happen. The silly season event that you brought up, I thought sounded... I mean, I would watch that. For sure. oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, you know, a guy hits it in the bunker, uh, greenside bunker, and all he's got is a six iron, you know, <laughs> that'd be fun. You know, it's just, and he's got to drive with that six iron too. Uh, that, and, and the pros would be, they would, I think the pros would all watch it. 
those who weren't in it would watch it. You know, it's just such a fun event. But I think now the schedule is so full with traditional events that it's not gonna happen. Yeah, the the silly season, um, I had to look that up. Do do you recall other events? uh, Well, it started with the Skins game, uh, you know, back 30, 40 years ago. And then uh, you had uh, mixed events. Um, I'm trying to remember the crazy format, but there were four or five of them at the end of the year, uh, just made for television events. Well, anyways, thanks for sharing your insight in that column. It's, uh, uh, we also have to transition a little bit on the same kind of conversation. Bradley Klein did a piece for us in this issue um, as we get ready to round the corner into April uh, and have another Masters, the second Masters in a row, um, second major in a row is the Masters for the first time ever. And that, you know, the things Bryson were, was doing last November, everyone kind of wanted to see how it would translate on Augusta. Um, he made the cut. I, I don't recall exactly where he finished, but he didn't win. And he was never really in in contention. But the idea over the years that Augusta had to add distance, um, I mean, after seeing what Tiger Woods did to that course, it was something they deemed very necessary. And so the column idea here is, do we need to do it again? And if so, where can it be done? You've gone to, I don't know, the exact number of masters. We, we talked about this a while ago. 35, I think. How have you seen um, distance addressed at Augusta over the years from, from your lens? Well, I mean, no course has changed uh, more uh, than Augusta National. It's, uh, there's not a hole on the golf course that, that hasn't changed since uh, 1934 when it opened. Um, and it is more than any other uh, golf course in the world, the most exposed to this whole idea, because we all see it every year. Uh, masters or not, an avid golfer knows it. A lot of them, the younger generation have played it on video games. And it's just, you know, you just know what it's, what it's like, uh, are familiar with the golf course. And, uh, I think the folks at the Masters have been um, as vigilant as they um, could have been over the years in trying to, as you say, the Tiger proof and now I suppose Bryson proof. Um, It'll be very interesting to see what what they do because um, although back in November, I don't think we saw saw it to a great degree. It was colder then. Uh, Bowl wasn't running as far. Offers themselves are probably a little stiffer and colder, but I don't know what the weather is going to be in a couple of weeks, but if it is warm, uh, you'll see it exposed more than ever. Um, and depending on what the USGA and the RNA do, and I guess that report is out, due out pretty soon now, and it may come out, who knows, even before the Masters. Um, I think the masters can be uh, expected to respond, continue to respond. I think most of us know that they've already bought property from the uh, contiguous Augusta Country Club. 
uh, with, a, with a mind to lengthening the 13th hole. Um, Brad has um, come up with uh, 300 extra yards that the, uh, they could put on and run through very, very quickly. Uh, he sees uh, lengthening the first hole uh, 30 yards by uh, sliding the uh, second half of the hole, the green, back and to the right, uh, adding 20 yards to the uh, par five second by moving that green 20 yards back, probably would go up, up a hill a little bit. Uh, the third hole could be lengthened 100 yards. You could extend the tee backwards and you could also move that green back and to the right. Personally, I'd hate to see that happen. It's kind of the last bastion of uh, drivable par four at Augusta, and it's a fun, fun hole. Uh, fourth hole, they could uh, probably tack another 30 yards on that, again, by swinging it to the right. Fifth hole could um, move the tee back. It's been moved back a couple of times, but you could move it back again. Uh, six could be rotated to the left. That green could be shifted to the left and make that part three another 30 yards and then add seven, uh, seven holes, seventh hole 20 yards there. And I think that probably, yeah, it's like a 200 yards just to the, the front nine. And as we mentioned, they have a, a mind to lengthen number 13. You know, that's probably a good idea. That has become almost a mid-length par four at this point for the pros, anyone who can find the, the fairway with the first shot. And to lengthen it 40 yards would probably, um, you know, return it to what it was 40 years ago. Uh, 14th, they could put 20 yards there uh, at the tee and uh, 16th by uh, rotating that green back into the right. And they probably, bring the water, I'm sure they'd bring the water with it. You could add uh, 30 yards there and then another 10 yards at the, uh, the 17th hole. That is probably about it. Uh, so you could put 300 yards um, and that would probably just about catch them up with the distance increases the pros have made in the last uh, 30, 40 years. Um, but, if, you know, and, and hopefully the USJ and the RNA will save them in some way, because I think we'd all uh, love to see the uh, Augusta National not be uh, tricked up or beaten up anymore. From what I saw, most of his suggestions were essentially moving tees and greens back. So you're not really changing the fundamental design of the whole other than uh, six and 16 by rotating. Um, well, number three, too, I think, you know, it's going to be a, a, not a drive and a flip and it, it, more of a dog leg almost if, yeah. if what they want to do comes to be. Yeah, it's, and Brad, I think, uh, very astutely mentions something they could do next week to prepare for the pros and make it more difficult. For them and he said that relates to the uh, first cut and what they have two options there one is to eliminate it and make this basically into a running links like golf course which if these guys hit the big ball and hit it off line will mean that they run off the fairway and often in sometimes into the woods into, into trouble so that would make 
the golf course. Ironically, taking away the first cut of rough would make the golf course more difficult, not for us, but for the pros. And the other option is to take that same first cut and grow it up so that if a ball runs into it and it's half covered by tendrils of grass and that grass gets between the club head and the ball at impact, it inhibits the pro's ability to put spin on the ball, which uh, inhibits their control of the shot into the green. And when you have trouble controlling your shots into the greens at Augusta, you have trouble. So um, as Brad said, that could happen you know, two weeks before the tournament. They could take care of that. Or in the case of cutting, the, cutting it down, they could do it the night before the tournament. I think that'd be fun. Uh, let it grow up. Um, until Wednesday night, and then get the mowers out Thursday and surprise them. <laughs> but I have a diabolical side, so. I'm sure that, that no one would say a word about that. And, and Well, that's the point. No one is saying a word, as always, uh, from the Masters, and I'm sure they'll have the odd surprise when everyone gets there in a couple of weeks. But uh, uh, you can be sure that they will continue to um, protect their golf course against the pros in whatever way they feel is uh, wisest. Right. Uh, that's, it's why Augusta is so intriguing. I, I think because like you said, it's maybe the most uni universally recognized course in the world and, and always under the microscope yet. Uh, as Brad says, two things are for sure. The folks at Augusta national are studying and have considered everything that we talked about here and they're also very good at keeping us guessing as to their next step. In some cases, could be the last minute before anyone realizes what's happened. Then the pros are, are playing the same course, yet remarkably different. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting if the USGA and RNA come out with their report on what they are going to do uh, on the eve of the tournament. Uh, that will change kind of the attitude everyone has. If they don't and Bryson gets out there playing well as he is and hits the ball straight and, you know, has a flip wedge to number one and drives three and takes it from there. Uh, that's going to be the talk of the tournament and the talk of what are we going to do in the future? Yeah. It's, it's be a fun masters from that point of view. Definitely. Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on both the beginning of our conversation. Does George's argument hold enough weight for you to consider it to be the solution. I'm, I'm going to back George on this. Let's, let's go ahead and do it. It's you and I against the world, Al. And I'll throw away my live wedge because I don't even know how the hell to hit that club anyways. And then what, what can Augusta do? I know people every year the Masters comes around and, and this is part of the conversation. So what can be done? What should be done? Let us know your thoughts. Um, George, thank you for sharing your thoughts as always. I look forward to, uh, to talking about the masters with you and that's around the corner. And in the meantime, good luck in your tournament this weekend and let me know how many clubs you end up hauling out there. I'm going to need about 30. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Best of luck. Thank you again. Okay.